Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Every one of them brought us up. This is Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner GAA podcast. Hello there and welcome to Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner's GA Championship podcast. Well, 14 county championship finals and a host of high-profile semi-finals dominate our weekend discussions. Our starting point is down in Porky Cueve for the Cork Senior Hurling Championship final between Immokilly and Middleton. Champions Immokilly defended their title, but one wonders, is everybody happy with that down in Cork? Owen Cormican was at uh, Porky Cueve on Sunday afternoon for the county final. Uh, Owen, the headline on Michael Moynihan's piece in today's Irish Examiner Club supplement, Beast from the East remains respected rather than loved by the Cork hurling family. Is that a, a fair summation of how Immokilly are viewed by the greater GAA public in the county of Cork? Yeah, that couldn't be more accurate. Um, clubs particularly... Um, I suppose you know around the county just looking enviously at Immokilly and their pick you know Middleton um, are the proudest club in East Cork they have the outstanding tradition in, in East Cork the most you know senior hurling titles of any of club in East Cork but they're still only one club they're picking from from one town whereas Immokilly, um had 12 clubs represented yesterday so of course you're going to look on enviously and it, it just so happens in that there's so many Cork senior hurlers within that Immokilly team um now i was chatting to paulie o'sullivan after the the match yesterday for a piece in tomorrow's paper and paulie makes the point and he's probably right but i suppose a lot of people can't see this now is that it's cyclical this success you know they will they could possibly do three in a row next year but um it you know it will dissipate then and, and someone else will come to the fore this isn't going to last forever it's just that they're an outstanding crop of hurlers in the east cork division at present they've come together under a very very organized management he's got them to gel and play as a club team and that's why they're enjoying the success that they are but it's cyclical it's not going to last forever but people obviously can't see that at the moment and they're somewhat frustrated that and you know a divisional team have done back to back and done it so comfortably they won it by 11 yesterday and were very much deserving of that that margin We'll get on to the match in a few moments. Huge credit, though, must go to Fergal Condon as well, I think. I've been reading some of the interviews over the last couple of days and the organisation and the logistics and the preparation from taking over a couple of years ago when they were you know, losing in the divisional section of the Cork County Championship to where they are today. Yeah, I remember covering um, an Immokilly versus UCC game in Riverstick, I'd say maybe around four years ago. And there were lads playing for UCC that probably should have been playing for Immokilly because that was their division. But they knew they had a better chance of success and you know a better chance of a longer run in the Cork Senior Hurling Championship if they wore the UCC colours. That's all changed under Fergal's guidance. And I suppose in the past you had lads, you know, when they'd get a call from an Immokilly manager deciding, do I want to go in? Is it worth the effort? Probably not. Whereas now they'd bite your hand off. Um, you know, Bill Cooper's club, Yall, they were relegated last year and Bill was straight in with the division because he realised that this was a very, very serious setup. Um, what's also benefiting the division, um, and I suppose there's been a stroke of good fortune here for the management, 
is that you know none of the clubs that are representing Inmokili have been involved in really really prolonged runs in the championship I think this year just one club Father Neils got to the last four of their respective championship that's the Premier Intermediate so Fergal has these lads you know at the important time of the year almost exclusively to himself and that's been a huge factor in their success which people are probably brushing over and just saying oh you know they've such an outstanding pick it's not fair it's not fair okay you mentioned Bill Cooper there a lot of names though on the Mckilly side that uh, the general hurling public throughout the country would know only too well Absolutely, like Colin Spillane was playing with UCC last year and was tied to UCC because of scholarship and all that. But again, once he graduated from UCC, um, straight in with, with Im O'Killy, he was a cornerback for them. He's a cornerback for the Cork Senior Hurlers. Niall O'Leary, Cork Minor centre-back two years ago. John Cronin has played championship for Cork. Bill Cooper, Brian Lawton, Barry Lawton, um, Paulie Sullivan of Klein, who's only 29 years of age, which is somewhat hard to believe given he's been away from the Cork setup for a couple of years. Seamus Harnaday. And then you look at the players on the bench. Like Fergal made the point yesterday that, you know, he's changed. Of that starting team from yesterday, um, nine started last year's final. So there's six lads who were on the bench last year. Six lads were on the bench yesterday, excuse me, who could make the team last year but couldn't make it this year, which just tells you the strength and depth. Declan Dalton was the top scorer for the Cork under-21 hurlers this year in their run to the All-Ireland Final. He couldn't make the team. Jerm Millerick was one of the outstanding Cork miners last year when they reached the All-Ireland Final. He couldn't make the team yesterday. So that just says, you know, there's just an incredible amount of depth here. It's probably only going to get stronger because there's a lot of talent coming up the line. And as long as Fergal is there, you know, this management is plays, the lads from the, the lower tier clubs in East Cork are going to be putting up their hands as high as possible to say, you know, pick me, involve me, I want to play for Immokili, which is, you know, big change from years past. Potty Sullivan, one of the names you just mentioned there, Owen. Um, wonderful to see him back in the headlines. Like, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm staggered at the fact that you just said he's only 29, seems to be in around for ages, but of course suffered a horrendous leg break a couple of years ago and set him back so much in terms of the Cork career. Yeah, and I suppose people forget that Pawdy lost three county finals with Klein in the middle of the last decade. So this is almost his second coming, and he is so enjoying it. Because, again, chatting to him yesterday, he thought his chance was gone. You know, you get to play in three county finals in the noughties with an outstanding Klein team. You know, you don't succeed in any of them, and you think your chance is gone. Klein are relegated, and you further think your chance is gone. The leg break, you know, then you're not sure, am I going to get back on the field? So he's overcome a lot, um, and you can see that in his hurling. 2-1 yesterday, their, their second top score from play. Just really, really enjoying. There just seems to be no pressure on him. You know, he's, he's not inhibited by anything. He's just really, not trying to impress anyone. He's just doing it for himself. Really, really enjoying it. And got two real goal poacher goals yesterday. Um, but yeah, just very much enjoying his hurling in present. And that's great to see. Seamus Harnady, talk about a, a captain leading the way. Yeah, from a Cork perspective now, you know, it's it's fantastic to see Seamus in this kind of form at this stage in the year. He was, I suppose, rampant is the word, probably that you'd use it yesterday for Seamus. Um, his goal, I th- you know, it was on TG Carr yesterday, they showed it on the 9 o'clock news. It was just an outstanding goal. You know, plucked it from the sky, bounced off one or two lads, stepped inside and rattled the net. Just was untouchable yesterday you know one six from plays is a serious tally to put up and they were outstanding scores you know he was tearing down the wing you know off the hurl just Middleton really had no one who could put any sort of a leash on him who could quieten him in any sense each one of the Middleton half back line had their go on him such was his dominance and no one was able to quieten him in any way shape or form so again if he can carry that form through to 2019 that's very encouraging from both an Immokili and I suppose more importantly a Cork perspective What positives if any can Middleton take from this game because let's point out 
Middleton will now represent Cork in the Munster Club Championship. They'll be facing Ballygunner at the Waterford Champions because the divisional side obviously can compete in the uh, All Ireland Club campaign. Yeah, so first off, you have to you know appreciate and acknowledge that that's a massive ask now for a club who have just been denied county success to kind of pick themselves up and to go again for another competition because I suppose you know they're they're representing Cork, but they know themselves they're not representing Cork as county champions, and that'll hurt a small bit. Um, but yesterday, I thought they gave a re, you know, they were really, really brave. It was a, a true effort, um, as you would have seen in in all the coverage throughout the Examiner, that you know every time they got back within touching distance of Immokilly, and just when you think they're going to to get back uh, on level parity, Immokilly went down the field and got a goal, and and Middleton did that three or four times where they put together, uh, you know, a run of points and enjoyed these mini spells of dominance. To, you know, just to move up onto the shoulder of Immokilly and then bang, goal, and, you know, just so deflating. And when they got, when Immokilly, you know, struck for the third and fourth goals around the 40, 41st minute, that was it. And Middleton just had nothing left to give. They had expended so much energy in getting back to within two points at that juncture that they had nothing left to offer. Um, it remains to be seen what kind of challenge they're going to offer to Ballygunner in two weeks because Ballygunner coming into this off a fifth consecutive Walford Senior Hurling Championship title Milton are coming in off a county final defeat, so you know, it'll be tough for them. No doubt they'll, they'll give it a good rattle, but it will be tough, and it's, it's hard to see them getting over Bally Gunner. Want to mention uh, the curtain raiser yesterday, Ballancolig, a club close to your own heart, uh, defeating Blackrock in the intermediate hurling final. Uh, huge celebration, I can see from the, the pictures here this morning. Yeah, and rightly so. Like They've really been trying, you know, struggling you know, to, to get out of that grade. The Premier Intermediate Club for the last, you know, throughout the noughties, um, couldn't make any headway and then were relegated in 2013 and that was a real real blow to the club and the last couple of years then haven't really been challenging until the new management of Danny Dwyer came in um, and last year they reached a semi-final loss to Airogue this year you know they got to the final and and got over the line and I suppose you know they're going up Premier Intermediate now knowing that there's this massive crop of emerging talent coming through that will sustain them at Premier Intermediate level and will allow them to be very very competitive there was a lot of changes to the team this year with young lads coming in they showed very well yesterday and there's even more coming behind them so that's very very positive and I suppose lads would be because it's a dual club and you know it's hard to commit to both and lads will be enticed now to you know to give a lot towards the hurling and to focus on the hurling because they're up premier intermediate and they know they can be competitive up there uh, people bemoaning the state of football nationwide and especially here in Cork at the moment uh, Castlehaven and Duhalla though don't seem to be following that script meeting in the Cork Senior Football Championship semi-final for the second time in the space of a week couldn't be separated after the hour went to extra time and still finished level and by all accounts an absolutely cracking affair I was reading John Coleman's match report in the Examiner this morning just seemed to be a marvellous affair that kind of swung one way and swung back again you thought then Duhalla had got it with that late goal and Conor Cahalan came back and got the leveller um, so just a fantastic advertisement I suppose for Cork football there because there's been so much negativity surrounding Cork football this summer so I suppose it's it's nice to see um, a match uh, attracting such such positive uh, coverage and I'm not sure what kind of crowd now was down there so I, I don't know how many people got to see it I'm sure there'll be an even bigger crowd um, at the, the third instalment which is next week but you have to imagine that St Finbars are probably sitting back and, and smiling at all this you know they're they're sitting in the long grass, you know, patiently preparing for a county final while these two teams are out expanding themselves week after week. So we'll just have to see whoever comes through, what kind of effect that has on them uh, on the October 28th decider. 
And our thanks to Owen Cormican for a review of the Cork Championship action. Let's uh, cross the county bounds from Cork to Limerick next. And we're heading to the Limerick Senior Hurling Championship semi-finals. John Fogarty was at the Gaelic Grounds for us on Sunday afternoon. Before we hear his thoughts on the action, uh, let's first hear from the Piercy captain, William O'Donoghue, who talks about the uh, energy and the commitment required to match the achievements of the 2016 All-Ireland club winning team. The word back-to-back is going to be around the place for the next two weeks. And, you know, it was an ambition for you, I guess, yeah. each of the last four occasions. Yeah, and, and we never did it. So, you know, if, if we read into it as much as we have done the past few years, then, I mean, we didn't... We, we made a, a shambles of ourselves in 2014 against a very good Kilmanock side, but uh, 2016 we didn't come out of the group, but we focused on just putting ourselves in a position to contest the county final, and we've done that. I mean, I, I can't, you know, whether it's back-to-back or anything, if we get to a county final, they're there to be won. So if, if it was our first one in 40 years, or back-to-back, or whatever it is, they're there to be won, and, uh, you know, whether... Whatever has to be done to win, it will be done. Okay. Just how much has uh, what happened last match in Kula? How much has that propelled you, William? Because it looks like that hunger is still there. Uh, the hunger is definitely still there, but I mean, we weren't going to let one one All Ireland club final define us as a group. You know, um, it was bitterly disappointing. Probably feel like we we should have closed it out the first day, but they're they're the All Ireland champions. They're a good side. Um, but like I said, we're we're hungry. We're hungry to represent our club. Our families, all the people who put in put in tremendous work in the club. So we're not going to let one final in 2016 define us. I mean, we've we've a, we've a lot of hunger and a lot more to do. So yeah, that won't define us. John, we'll start off with the clash of uh, Napiersig and Kilmallock. Napiersig, of course, the heartbreak of the All Ireland Club final defeat in a replay to Kula earlier this year. On the road a long time. Are they showing signs of tiredness? There was no indication of it yesterday. Colin. Um, they obviously Kilmallock scored uh, two goals directly after their, uh, and the Pearson scored two goals in the first half but they really got the hang of Kilmallock uh, towards the end of the first half there was too much short hand passing too much short passing from and the Pearson coming out and uh, the likes of Graham Mulcahy were tigerishly um, upsetting and spoiling that so they delivered a little bit longer a little bit more to the wings uh, towards the end of the first half and in the second half William O'Donoghue who you could argue might have been in the, the midfield for Limerick this year had it not been for Nepeshik and this is another issue and Nepeshik you know are the victims of their own success in the sense that too many of their guys are, um, are, are not distracted you're never distracted by a club but um, when you have, when you're fall, you're falling between two stools when you're going to all Ireland finals and, and then hoping to get into a, um, an all Ireland winning team like we all know that Mike Casey was the only Nepeshik uh, starter in the all Ireland final in August so uh, it, you know it, uh, it, there's no doubt about it Nepeshik are victims of their own success but it's not going to stop these guys very impressive um uh, in the second half, the likes of Peter Casey, Adrian Breen, uh, put in uh, fine performances, and obviously they've Shane Dowling from Freeze, but Dowling is uh, quite a playmaker too at centre forward. So um, you know it's all systems go for them at the moment. Okay, an interesting little piece that you had in today's supplement, John, is the fact that Napiersig are still driven by the fact that they don't they don't want to be known as a club that just won one All Ireland club title. Yeah, I put it to William O'Donoghue after the game, uh, Cullum, uh, uh, William O'Donoghue, their the captain, that, um, you know, are they, are they driven by, like, we obviously saw Kula uh, being 
knocked out by Anthony Bailey's Kilmercourt Crokes there last week in the Dublin semi-final and Kula certainly have been on the road a long time but I put it to, to William that you know is it propelling them what happened to what happened to Napiersik you know because obviously there would be a sense out there that they should have beaten Kula the first day out and obviously were beaten in the in the replay is it inspiring them and, and the answer he was I was a little bit surprised by it but he, he referred back to their 2016 All-Ireland final victory and how they didn't want to be known as that and you can see these guys as much as uh, back-to-back Limerick titles is a huge inspiration for them because they've been winning in alternate years this decade and they haven't been able to, they, they, there hasn't been that consistency in the sense that they haven't been able to put two uh, um, Tom Daly Cups back together uh, back-to-back together so that that is an inspiration but clearly they're looking beyond that as well called an unbelievable record and monster anyway so you can imagine if they do be doing now on Sunday week uh, and obviously I don't think they'll be looking beyond them because they have a rich uh, um, a, a very rich rivalry against them at underage level but um they will be looking beyond Munster. You know, Ballygunner obviously will be uh, one of the uh, the threats there. If if Middleton get their house in order after the defeat, you know, they will be they will be a competition too. But uh, at this moment in time, it appears to look like the teams to beat everywhere. Okay, you mentioned Dune there. They defeated Patrick's. Well, a bit of drama towards the end of the first game in the Gaelic grounds. Was that a shock, John? Uh, not necessarily. I believe Dune beat uh, Patrick's well earlier on in the year and. Uh, doing have always been uh, doing the previews for the game column on Friday for Saturday's papers. Just doing have always been the the team with promise. They've always been the ones that have been knocking at the door and never gone through it. Whereas the likes of Patrick's, well, they won their um, Limerick title there a couple of years ago. Obviously, that was the year I think that Nipirshik didn't get out of their group. But uh, Dewan now look like, especially with Pat Ryan, who's just a real danger. We saw what Pat Ryan did for Limerick coming off the bench this year, and he'll be gunning for a starting position, obviously, next year. But uh, Pat Ryan, uh, he was a splendid underage player, and he had, he had speed to burn there. Like, the way he took his goal in the first half there against Patrick well was incredible. But Dewan did look like they were nervous towards the end column. They, they, they could see victories in their sights, and Patrick well with Keane Lynch being uh, leading, the, leading, he was certainly to the fore and winning a couple of frees. Um, he he was the he was the guy that really got them back into it. But uh, that was last twelve minutes. I think it was twelve minutes that Dune didn't score. Uh, was Norvi, but it was their veteran Dennis Maloney that, that put the ball over the bar after I think they they had put two balls wide and one short. So uh, they're they're there and they're certainly there on merit. Um, uh, and they they will fancy their chances too because themselves that they would have beaten the Pierce a couple of times at underage level. So um, there's a lot of you know the two very young teams and in, in, okay you have the likes of Dennis Maloney and, and Carl King and whatever. But um, for for the most part they're two very young teams. Okay, very quickly we'll take a look at some of the storylines from around the country. There was something like uh, 14 county finals in Ireland uh, over the weekend but some interesting storylines from the semi-finals as well too and we'll start with Dublin the senior football championship there and uh, St Vincent sensationally knocked out by St Jude's and that sets up uh, a showdown with Kilmacud Croaks Yes Colm I, I, I didn't see it coming I, I know a good few people in the, the Jude's club and uh, they did fancy their chances and um, 
you know, when they're winning a quarter final and Kevin McMenamin isn't scoring, uh, that's something that they 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 they, they, they take with uh, you know they, they you know they take with, uh, with pride in a sense because obviously it just shows that they're not relying on their on their on their county men. But dude, uh, surprise Vince, I thought, I, geez, I didn't have a very good weekend in terms of in predict- predictions, and this was one of them because I really fancied Vincent's would have a chip on their shoulder. Obviously, they don't have they didn't have any Dublin. Um, representation this year first time ever for uh, Vincent's haven't had anyone on an All-Ireland winning team at Dublin's um, obviously Dermot Connie Shane Carty had gone to the States for the summer and Connie was called on there towards the end and it wasn't enough uh, he was probably asking too much of him anyway but Vincent's uh, they've been champions uh, they were good champions they deserve champions the way they, they uh, dismantled Ballymun last year was very impressive but uh, uh, yeah it's coming it's not it might it might be the end of the road for a couple of their players the likes of Mossy Quinn our own Irish examiner columnist Mossy Quinn who has you know, put in some tremendous performances this year for Vincent's but obviously Mossy is in his mid-30s now and uh, to be asking more of him could be a little bit too much we'll wait and see um, Conley obviously the this will hope next year that they'll have him back but this is about Jude's this is the same Jude's team obviously called them that have their own uh, statistical room uh, analysis room set up there on the in Temple Oak they're, uh, they're an incredible uh, club in, in many ways because obviously they have Bally Bowden across the River Dodder from them Fogs uh, is right beside them too so they, they have competition but they're a real fine dual club and um, they, they, you know they, they've, they've it's not just the likes of Kevin McMenamin they've, they've They've had Michael Michal Lyons and they've had uh, Kevin's brother Brendan um, representing Dublin in the past. Anyway, so they, this is certainly no fluke. They, I spoke of um, spoke of Dune knocking on the door. Dunes have been doing that and, and their full value for that final appearance. Uh, Dunboyne uh, defeating Summerhill in Meath, one eleven to nine points. Stuart uh, Lowndes uh, scoring the decisive goal there. Yeah, Dunboyne have a remarkable record column in, in finals. They don't get to too many, but when they get there, they seem to have the Midas touch. And you know, this is this this game was obviously uh, there was an emotional tinge to it. You know, Sean Cox, obviously the Liverpool supporter, would have had huge connections with Dunboyne. So there was a dedication to him there yesterday, and how they would have wanted him to be there. Sean Boyle too. You know, just know the line. You know, Sean Boylan's uh, allegiance is to Dunboyne uh, going back over the years. Um, you know, it's a question now when you look at um, Dublin, do, do the likes of Dunboyne now fancy their chances of going further unless they're obviously Port Leash won yet another uh, Leash title there. But um, when the likes of Dunboyne, when the likes of Port Leash are looking at um, Jude's and Chemical Crokes, and Chemical Crokes, uh, as, good, as strong as they are looking under Johnny McGee, they aren't necessarily, uh, they don't have the same force that Vincent's would have coming out of of um, of Dublin in the past, or the likes of Chemical Crows themselves, or even the likes of Baddy Munn Kickhams, or Baddy Bowden, St. Dennis, obviously, who won a county title there. Um, so the likes of Dunboyne and Port Leash, I would imagine, Colin might have a, a little eye on the Leinster title as much as we're, we're talking about five, six weeks out from that. Okay, finally, one other game that uh, caught my eye from the weekend, John, was uh, Ballantubber ending Castlebar's hopes of four in a row in. Uh, Mayo went, this was a replay of course, went to extra time and it was a, a last minute uh, point that sealed their victory just by a single point, 16 points to 15, uh, Ballantubber winning. Yeah, yet another 
result I got wrong or prediction I got wrong, Cullum, I didn't feel. I thought Castlebar Mitchells, I thought Ballantubber had their best opportunity uh, was in the drawn game, but clearly not. Uh, the, obviously, the O'Connor brothers are there, and you know there's a couple of guys on the fringes of uh, of the Mayo team who uh, no doubt James Horn will be having to look at over the next while in these famous trial games that establishing uh, to see you know who exactly is out there or who exactly he might be missing from uh, the Triton Trust that have been there for Mayo the last few years but to beat that Castlebar team you might there might be an argument that Castlebar were on the road quite a bit but the likes of the Dorkins there are still young guys so I, I was a bit surprised by that it's going to be some final now against Brafey um, obviously Brafey uh, are a team that haven't got over the line Ballantubber have uh, the O'Connors have a county titles to their names whereas the O'Shea's don't um, and so that, that's going to be a that's going to be a tasty one now um, I, and you would imagine that Ballantubber with the scalp of Castlebar will be going into it with, uh, with their tails up uh, as much as Brafey you now if they you know if they don't have hunger at this stage considering they've been to to the finals and, and been beaten and sometimes been beaten comprehensively um, if they don't have hunger then you would fear for them big time and our thanks to John Fogarty for that review of the county championship action. Now, one of the games uh, over the weekend which caught our eye here in the office was uh, Clare Senior Football Championship semi-final where Ennis Steinman qualified for their first county SFC final after sensationally dethroning champions Kilmaria Bricken in Cusick Park on Saturday. Now, with thanks to our friends in Clare FM, let's hear the thoughts of the Ennis Steinman manager, Mark Shanahan, after that historic achievement. Oh, joined here by Mark Bordeaux Shanahan. Mark, it's uh, an incredible day for an Simon, obviously. Uh, it is. It's just, you know, this is what we, you know, it's been said about us with all the underage and, you know, we weren't doing it at senior level, but fighting from lack of effort, you know. We were trying and we were trying, but it was, it was, it was hard work from the bottom down, you know. We we're, were working hard throughout the club and it's just, you know, you, you just have to keep at it and keep at it. Um, but you know, obviously there's another. You know, we're not finished with the journey yet. But just it's great to be there now. In fairness, take me through the game because I mean, you've been putting three points to one in front, and Kilmurray come back for six in a row, yeah. and then you get the goal. And yeah. going in at half time, that was obviously a huge psychological boost. It was. It was maybe it was the same against their Rogue. We got a nice boost going in before half time. And. Um, John, that definitely gives it. But the, the, the overall uh, feeling inside in the dressing room at half time was we hadn't played well. You know, there was way more in us. And I think every player to a man, they took control there at half time and they said they weren't happy with themselves. And um, we came up with the second. It was, it was it literally in conditions like that, it's down to, it was down to guts. It was just down to guts and heart and desire and want and I suppose years of just frustration years of frustration built up and uh, by God you know they, they just I'm so proud of them there now the way they, they, the, the way they dug in and just I suppose and it's great like the, the, it's great for the community it's great for the parish it's just it's really important it's very important and uh, we're, we're thrilled now to be in a final we're thrilled to be in a final I just finally know a couple of weeks to the final I mean it's always nice to be training and, and going under floodlights at this time of the year yeah. but there'll be a real real buzz now around ah, the whole place realize, I think that's the most like when you put football aside you know you just want you know the, the, the community to be together and you know and they're really getting a lot out of this team you know because they're on the sleds like and you know and you can see that when you can see that out in the field 
do you know they can identify with that that type of kind of honesty like you know and that's what that's what they're getting from this team and look we'll we'll whoever we're playing will probably be underdogs again and it's just about you know enjoying the next couple of hours and then like dissecting the game straight away tomorrow and getting down to work again and having doing what we won't change anything the same for the O'Curry's match we went into just to do our work as best we can and be honest in our effort when we go out onto the pitch like you know that's 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 the way that's the way we've approached it and we'll keep it that way now we'll turn our attention to semi-finals in Kerry Tony Lean was in Austin Stack Park Trilly. Tony, we'll start with the second game. Dr. Croaks defeating Kearns O'Rahilly's by uh, nine points. Was it as easy as that scoreline suggests? Absolutely not, um, Colm. It was um, Kearns O'Rahilly's led with 15 minutes to go. Um, Mike Quirk was bemoaned. Mike Quirk, as you know, of course, who writes with the examiner, but is the manager of, of Kearns O'Rahilly's. I don't think it's ever a good thing and I know I think Mike realises that to bemoan your bad luck afterwards but in fairness to uh, the Strand Road outfit I'd have to say like over the course of the last couple of years you know they've been in semi-finals they've gone close just the small things always seem to go against them like yesterday you know they had a couple of injuries coming into the game but then yesterday Jack Savage is sent off for a second yellow and he's obviously their main playmaker you know, at a time when they're a point ahead. Then, for the first time, Croaks edge a point ahead with maybe 12, 13 minutes to go and uh, Cairns O'Rahilly's try a quick kick-out. Gary Kassan, the goalkeeper, tries a quick kick-out. Memories of the 2014 All-Ireland final, Kieran Donaghy and Donegal uh, and all that. And it's intercepted by Kieran O'Leary. Goal for Croaks. And then they ran away with it in, in the last... There were seven or eight minutes of injury time and they ran away with it in that. I think it highlights two things. Uh, it highlights that Cairns O'Rahillys are coming. They have a lot of good talent. They have some inter-county talent, obviously, the likes of Jack Savage and Barry John Keane and David Moore particularly. They have some good young fellas. There's a young 22-year-old to keep an eye on for 2019 by the name of Gavin O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Wing forward, about six foot three or four, as Mike Quirk described him, the speed of a gazelle, scored 2-1 yesterday before he picked up a hamstring injury. His impact was completely dulled then in the second half by that. But they are coming. That's number one. And number two, you know, to quote the hoary old saying, Dr. Croaks, they haven't gone away. They are now through, would you believe, to their eighth senior county final in 10 years in Kerry, and that's the type of statistic you usually find with respect in a county like Wicklow or Leitrim, where there's one dominant club that keeps getting back to finals. You know, it's like 2014 and 2015. Here's a quiz question. We'll return to it at the end of the podcast. Who were the two winners of the county championships in Kerry in those years? Because if you go back beyond that, 2010, 11, 12 and 13 was Croaks. 2016-17 as Croaks, 2018 now they're in the final again. It is it is an incredible statistic and they are a serious, serious outfit and a serious club with an incredibly strong squad. Just going back to Tralee there, and one of the teams from those years that you're mentioning was Austin Stacks winning a county championship under Stephen Stack. Mm. How badly does Tralee need to have county championship winning football teams being produced from the town and, and ergo Kerry football 
Well, just for people who mightn't necessarily be from Kerry, I mean, Tralee is not alone the capital town, but it's a sprawling, sprawling, uh, t- it's not even a town, it's, it's 30,000 people. And now there are only two senior clubs in Tralee because, it, as some people may or may not know, John Mitchells were relegated and now form part of the St. Brendan's division uh, that were actually ironically beaten by Cairns O'Rahillies in the quarterfinals. So you only have the two senior clubs. And Austin Stacks are going quite well, but there's no doubt that the dominant force in Tralee football at the moment is Cairns O'Rahillies. And Quirk has done a good job... And, you know, when I mentioned those inter-county players before, you know, one of the most interesting talking points of the championship this year has been the form of the forgotten man, Tommy Walsh. And, you know, Tommy had that, you know, catastrophic hamstring ripped off the bone injury in Australia. And there is no doubt has lost that yard or two of pace because of that. And probably that is the yard or two that separates really good club players from inter-county players. Yeah, so, you know, whether he can get back, but he is still a huge presence for that club. And, I mean, Tommy is still, I'm guessing, probably 28. So he's not that he's gone. So there definitely is bright times ahead for Cairns O'Rahillies. Just on that point, Tony, do you think with the proposed new rule changes that county managers are now going to start looking for big men like Tommy Walsh that they'll be back in vogue again? Not that they were probably never out of fashion, but more so, as I said, with the new the new mark rule for the attacker? I'd hope not. I'd Why so? Because I think it would be a very... I think it would be a retrograde step for Gaelic football again. I think it would, um, for for two or three reasons, you know, you don't want football returning to a day where you're just lumping it into a big man. Number two, are you removing then the finesse players? Are you removing the guys, you know, like the like the Cullum Coopers obviously was playing yesterday, like the James O'Donoghue's. That's the second thing. Thirdly, if you do return to that type of a situation brought about by that rule change, then what will the defensive team do? They're obviously just going to actually, everybody's going to drop in, everybody is going to break the ball away, you're going to have all sorts of malaise, you're going to have too many um, hot ball situations. I really, really think... I know, you know, it's it's well intentioned, and and it is obviously trying to reward uh, one of the great skills of the game. But we have done that out our own midfield. I genuinely don't believe it advances the case of Gaelic football as a spectacle at all to actually reintroduce it inside the twenty meter line. No, I don't. Okay, we've given enough talk there to Cairns rallies. Let's talk about uh, Doctor Crooks. You mentioned Cullum Cooper there. Noticed in your match report, uh, first sub introduced was one C. Cooper. Not something you'd see in match reports too often. Well, again, just reiterating the point we made a a, a small while ago, the the strength of Dr. Croke's panel is incredible. Number one, how many teams in Kerry or the country could afford, even at 35, to leave Cullum Cooper on the bench? Number two, how many managers in the country would have the balls to leave Cullum Cooper on the bench. And Pat O'Shea would have no difficulty whatsoever in doing that. He will operate purely on the basis of David Shaw came in uh, a couple of rounds ago when Cullum Cooper had a throat infection. Um, David Shaw is a serious talent, Kerry under 20 this year. 
um, has done extremely well since. Jordan Kylie, by the way, is not quite, or sorry, is not in Cullum Cooper's league, but he's an extremely talented forward. Once again, at the moment, he can't get a starting place. I mean, you have inter-county from midfield forward. Just imagine this. The two midfielders for Crokes are Dahi Casey and Johnny Buckley in the forward line. And this is leaving out Cullum Cooper and Jordan Kylie. remember. You have everybody from Michael Burns to Brian Looney to Tony Brosnan, who was like the, the form forward in Kerry, to Kieran O'Leary. You know, it's it's an embarrassment of riches in some respects. Yeah, just on that point, Tony Brosnan, looking at the match reports from Dr. Crokes from the last couple of weeks, his name is front and centre in every game. Top scorer, I think, again yesterday with, with six points. Yeah. What's the story? Where has he been? He's had a really bad run of injuries, Cullum. Um, he had... People might forget, I would think... And I'm open to correction on this, but I think in 2016 he actually came on as a sub in the All-Ireland quarterfinal when Kerry beat Clare. People actually tend to forget that. Then suffered knee problems or or injury, general injury difficulties, and this year uh, broke his wrist. So only has returned in the latter half of the summer. He's he's a he's a proper what I would describe as he's a Crokes forward. You know he is. He is light, he is elusive, he can score off both sides. His movement, like he has the Croaks DNA. You know, there are some forwards that you will look on on a pitch in Kerry and you will know they play with Dr. Croaks just because of the way they operate, the way they play, the way they move, the way that they're comfortable on both sides. He is a talent. Um, I don't think he's a shoe-in for Kerry next year. I really don't. Um I think certainly Peter Keane will take a look at him. There's no doubt about that. Peter Keane uh, couldn't go to his beloved Kilorglan's basketball game in, against Temple Oak in Dublin over the weekend because he wanted to be obviously in Tralee yesterday. And he'd have gone away with quite a few notes taken. He'd have known about Tony Broston before yesterday, obviously. Um, but I genuinely think probably two things. I told you about Gavin O'Brien. The other Croaks one for me absolutely is Johnny Buckley. Uh, an absolutely Rolls-Royce inter-county footballer who obviously has been out of commission this year looked so fresh yesterday in everything he did. And, you know, we, 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 we occasionally wonder what does fresh mean. He had pace, vision, stamina, making all the right decisions. He was really exceptional for Crokes yesterday. OK, you mentioned Peter Keane, the new Kerry manager there, filling his notebook from that game. Would he have much to write of from the first game, Dingle against East Kerry, which finished in a draw? Mm, I would say not as much. Well, certainly not, certainly in terms of anything new. Like, let's face it, it is hard to bill Dingle versus East Kerry as anything other than Paul Ganey versus David Clifford. And so, you know, Paul Ganey gets six points, David Clifford gets 2 4. Pretty much as advertised. I think, in fairness, Peter Keane would have been looking elsewhere. There's the likes of Dara Moynihan. These are all lads, you remember now, that Peter Keane would have seen coming up through the minors. So he'd be well aware of a lot of these. Um, Young Dara Moynihan was good. Kevin McCarthy, funny enough, was actually taken off yesterday. Probably the guy I like the most uh, in, in East Kerry at the moment is a corner forward from Glen Fless by the name of Dara Roach. Wasn't that he was exceptional yesterday, but I've seen him before is really quick, powerful, strong. I genuinely believe Kerry 
don't have any issues, as you know, in the top half of the field. I would imagine, and I'm only guessing here, that Peter Keane is probably looking out for more out-and-out defenders mm. at the moment. Especially the fact that he's bringing Donny Buckley in with him. Donny Buckley will make Kerry better without the ball. But Donny Buckley, no more than any other coach, is only as good as the players he's working with. So I would think Peter Keane is looking... Like Tom O'Sullivan, for instance, uh, from Dingle, who obviously is, in a, is a Kerry player already. I thought he was really good yesterday. Kicked the equalising point, went upfield and got the goal for Dingle. Is a very good ball player, uh, a ball-playing defender. Now, is that what Kerry needs? There are some Kerry diehards, Cullen will tell you, we've enough of those ball-playing lads. What we need is a few Eamon Breens, a few Liam O'Flaherty's, a few guys who are basically tough, rugged and take no prisoners. And that sort of species hasn't been to the fore in Kerry in recent times. Okay, a little aside there, Tony, regarding East Kerry. A lot of talk here in Cork this Monday morning of Emma Killy winning the county hurling championship and the entire debate about divisional sides. How are divisional sides viewed in Kerry? They are, there is a far, um, I wouldn't say a far greater tradition, a far more positive tradition Um of the divisionals uh, in Kerry. You see, it has always been embraced, Colum in Kerry, the fact that any footballer at any level with any club can play senior county championship because they have the divisional outlet to do so. So you've got to remember, you know, back in the days, like you had the likes of Jack O'Shea, John Egan captaining South Kerry and going on to Captain Kerry. You know, you've had the likes of Mikey Sheehy, all these players... I mean, Mikey probably is a bad example now, but like, you know, you're talking about a Seamus Moyne and you talk about all these players. So certainly in in East Kerry's case, they haven't won a county championship. I think the last time they won it was probably was a couple of decades ago. I remember Johnny Crowley um, from Glen Flesk was the captain. And there's another example. The interesting thing about East Kerry in this season is that there are many people and I put this actually to their manager um, the last day, Jerry O'Sullivan, and he disagreed with me, but I still think there's a strong basis for saying that 2018 is a one-shot wonder in some respects for East Kerry because they have Kilcommon with them this year. Just for people, again, who may not know, Kilcommon and Glen Flesk are in the, were in the intermediate county final, so they're the best two intermediate teams in Kerry, but Kilcommon won, so they are actually going to be going back senior mm. next year. So East Kerry won't have Kilcommon. And if you actually look even at the team yesterday, you had one, two... Three, four, five, six. You had six of the starting 15 were from Kilcommon. So I think East Kerry very much are looking at 2018 as a huge opportunity. And I will feel, even though Dingle led for the majority of the game, and at one stage, like with 15, 16 minutes to go, were six up, the fact that East Kerry went ahead in injury time and were the side with all the momentum at that stage, I just think there'll be a small bit of frustration on their part. The fact that in the seventh minute of injury time, they allow Dingle through Thomas Sullivan to come back and get the replay, which is on in Tralee next Sunday. So in terms of the replay, Tony, does does that feeling give Dingle the edge for next weekend? I think the sides are so closely matched, Colm. I think one factor, one extra player could be decisive for Dingle because that player is Mark O'Connor. And Mark O'Connor played in the previous round... Um, didn't play yesterday. For anyone who doesn't know Mark O'Connor, would be one of the best up-and-comers 
if he isn't quite at David Clifford's level, he is just on the rung below. He played for Dingle when they played Austin Stacks. They played him in full-back, did a brilliant job quietening Kieran Donaghy. He plays with the AFL. He plays in the AFL now with Geelong. Now, if I was Dingle, and I, I am led to believe that they, Geelong didn't allow Mark O'Connor to play yesterday and would probably stop him from playing next weekend. Now, if I'm Dingle, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, hold on a second, we have groomed this young lad from he was six years of age. He left us to go to the AFL. We didn't get a penny's compensation for it. Pre-season hasn't even started in the AFL in Australia. He won't play a league game until next spring. And yet he is prohibited from playing for Dingle in probably the most important match they've had in probably ever in terms of since they've gone senior. And he has stopped from playing next weekend. Now, you know, if I was Dingle, I think that would that would very much get up my nostrils. I, I, I think there's something wrong. I think there has to be, there has to be some sort of an arrangement whereby you know he's allowed to play next weekend. I mean, think about it. They haven't even started pre-season, pre-season, excuse me, and the AFL won't start proper until the spring. I think if Mark O'Connor is playing with Dingle next Sunday, it definitely improves their chances by five percent, and at this level of small margins, five percent is huge. Okay. Finally, you pose that teaser a little earlier the two teams that broke the dr croaks uh, dominance one we said was austin stacks the second the second has a peter Keane connection ironically given he's the new Kerry manager because peter Keane was the manager of legion in 2015 and they took this team not only to a county final but to a county final replay before they were eventually beaten and given that we're talking about divisions and the importance of divisions in Kerry, the winners in 2015 were South Kerry. And that's it for this edition of Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner's GAA Championship podcast. Our thanks to our guests this morning, Owen Cormican, John Fogarty, Tony Lean, and to Larry Ryan, who was on production duties. Don't forget, you can download the podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud, along with irishexaminer.com forward slash papertalk. We're back again next Monday to do it all over again, and hopefully we'll have your company once more. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.